presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field. It's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. And here we go. It is game week here in Oxford, Mississippi, as the Ole Miss Rebels will welcome in the Tulane Green Wave uh, Saturday night. It should be a fun one. And we're excited to have J.P. Gooderham of Fear the Wave, who has covered this team uh, for quite a while, kind of knows the ins and outs of its head coach, Willie Fritz, along with kind of what to expect offensively and defensively. And I think more than anything, what Tulane will try to do defensively to stop the Ole Miss attack led by quarterback Matt Corral, who just happens to be the Walter Camp a co-player of the week. Uh, we'll take a look at what Tulane has done over this past uh, season with J.P. Gooderham once again a Fear the Wave about the Oklahoma game, how close they were at the end, what they could have done differently to maybe come away with a win in Norman. A big game uh, for, for Tulane, kind of put them on the map, I think, for a lot of people across the, the college football landscape to see just how good this program has risen under Willie Fritz. They took care of Morgan State pretty handily, 69 to nothing in Birmingham, so really nothing of substance there. Uh, Tulane will bring a nice crowd. Ole Miss will return this game. You'll hear us talk about that in a couple years down inside Yulman Stadium. So I know a lot of Ole Miss fans are excited about that. We'll hear from J.P. Gooderham as Ole Miss is now 2-0 on the year, opening up with a big win over Louisville and then taking care of Austin P. this past Saturday. They've got the Tulane Grain Wave coming in, coming into Oxford in another night game. Should be a lot of fun. And we'll have all the previews for you right here uh, with J.P. Gooderham. But fear the wave. I believe in Ole Miss on the Believe Podcast Network. Stay tuned. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show.
And welcome back into the show. Excited to have J.P. Gooderham of Fear the Wave. And, uh, J.P., you and I have kind of talked a little bit on and off air uh, tonight. I'm excited that you joined the program because uh, we've got kind of a bit of a rivalry uh, dating back to I don't know how far back. But thanks very much for jumping on the show to talk a little Tulane football. Yeah, hey, Brad. Thank you so much for having me. And and you're right that, you know, I, I just posted a, a little bit ago a vintage game poster from 1952 between Ole Miss and, and Tulane. And, you know, I think for all the college football kind of historians out there, folks realize that this used to be an SEC matchup and these these programs had a lot of history playing each other. And and to be quite frank, I think this is the most interesting Tulane Ole Miss uh, matchup we've had in, in a lot of years, which is pretty exciting. It seems like, uh, obviously, this is not the case, but ever since uh, Tulane moved out of the Superdome into its own facility and they all of a sudden got – quite possibly the top five uniform in college football they started to get good on the field and I know that's not the case but how big of a deal was it to move out of the Superdome and kind of have your own facility there on campus yeah you know that's that's a really good question and I think also speaks to three big things that have happened with Tulane football I can remember I was still in in my undergraduate years at the time when uh, Ole Miss came to, to play Tulane I think it was back in 2012 and there were like so few people in the Superdome that you could really feel the air conditioning because it's made for when there's 70,000 people in there. And it's just a different situation for this program. And, and the three things I would point out, number one, getting a chance to be on campus has been, I, I think, a real positive, right? It, it really has changed the complexion of what a game day at Tulane will be like. For folks who haven't been there, it's a 30,000-person stadium. It's directly on campus. You have people tailgating on the quad it's really given Tulane a much more traditional college football environment, which I think is really exciting. But there's another thing you mentioned that, that I think is worth understanding about, about Tulane. Uh, you know, back in, I believe that was 2016, uh, Troy Dannon came in as our athletic director and then hired Willie Fritz about a week later. So those two things happened at the same time. Now, Dannon, you know, has really helped to uplevel the branding of Tulane and all these pieces bringing back the angry wave. You see a ton of really cool things happening with the equipment staff, with uh, the way Tulane's uniforms have taken shape. And then on the football side, you know, I think Willie Fritz, his, the storyline with him was that he was a guy who won everywhere that he had been before, from junior college up to D2, up to FCS, and then at Georgia Southern. And he's now in a position where he's the first coach ever at Tulane to go to three consecutive bowl games. So a lot happening with this program right now. Uh, and it's been, you know, kind of a slow burn, but there's been a lot of progress. Yulman Stadium is on campus there at Tulane in the city of New Orleans, and I've got great news for the Ole Miss fans listening to the show. Uh, my wife and I have dear friends in New Orleans. We go uh, very often. I've had a chance to tour the stadium. I haven't been to a game. I look forward to doing that, but I've had a chance to tour the stadium, and it's a very easy Uber from Bourbon Street to Yulman Stadium. I think you'll <laughs> back me up on that. Oh, you you have options, right? You could – you can take the streetcar if you really wanted to, if you had a bunch of time, and 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 go straight uptown and and get off at Tulane and walk campus. But yeah, it's really convenient, uh, and I, I think that you know for future games that we'll have here, uh, it's a good trip. And you know, I think for for folks who have seen the news in the last couple of weeks with how New Orleans uh, went through the weather situation that they had, Oklahoma was supposed to open the season at Yolman Stadium, which was really going to be the marquee game that that we've had at that facility. So uh, it didn't happen this year, but the word is that they will be doing a return trip at some point. So 
something we're we're very much looking forward to. Yeah, Ole Miss is returning the trip in 2023, um, and then of course two, it was a two for one signed by Ole Miss uh, Director of Athletics Keith Carter and the Tulane administration. Tulane will come back to Oxford on 2025. So um, look. I've been very fed fat, steadfast in the belief that I think Ole Miss and Tulane, and I'm not just telling you this, I've said this on the show for a while, they should have a standing home and home because I think Ole Miss has a wonderful um, alumni association in the city of New Orleans, and it's a fun trip. It's a bowl trip atmosphere. I mean, I think you probably saw it's a few years ago when Ole Miss played in the Sugar Bowl, the, the Ole Miss fan base took over New Orleans, and it's kind of a homeboy from home. Plus, you know, Ole Miss fans and Tulane fans have always had a great relationship. And so I just think it's a fun game. Uh, now that the, the, the campus is on, on – now the stadium is on campus, it gives Ole Miss fans a chance to, to come and stay in the city, maybe take in a Saints game on, on, on the following Sunday. So I, I think it's something that I'm really excited about. And I know your fans are excited about uh, coming to Oxford this weekend. Oh yeah, and and you know I, I really agree with your comment about I think it's 2023. Ole Miss is going to be coming back, and and you're exactly right. You know, if you've lived in New Orleans, you realize there's a lot of Ole Miss alums who live there. There are a lot of folks in the region who can do that trip really easily. Uh, so, you know, self-servingly, the idea of a standing home and home with Ole Miss sounds like an awesome idea to me. But I, I really agree with you that at least in these next couple of years. Uh, it's great that we're going to have a, a couple uh, battles between these two programs. This Tulane team is not going to sneak up on anybody, specifically Ole Miss this weekend. I think a lot of people are looking at that game to where the Green Wave played so well on the road uh, against the Oklahoma Sooners. A great chance to win the game, had the ball late in the fourth quarter. It's a team that uh, that's kind of caught the ire of a lot of college football analysts. What makes this team so special early on in the season? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And, you know, there have been two kind of – historical notes that we've seen already there was this really crazy week where we didn't know if the game would happen it was originally scheduled to be played in new orleans it gets moved to norman and i mean frankly i think the narrative before that game was that the green wave was going to get shellacked right they were playing a number two oklahoma team that had all these size advantages and in terms of physicality and athleticism and all these pieces and, and frankly that wasn't the case uh tulane straight up you know as, as objectively as i can say Tulane outplayed Oklahoma for three of those quarters. And I, I think that that all really starts with our quarterback, who is, I, I, I want to say sophomore because he's a second year. You know, with COVID classes, it's a little weird because he's a freshman again. But second-year quarterback Michael Pratt, uh, he really earned a lot of accolades from not, not just Tulane fans, but folks across the nation, uh, including the Honey Badger Tyron Matthew, uh, who was tweeting about how tough this kid is. And, and that was something that was so clear. He didn't play a perfect game, but – Man, he really he got back up every time, even though his pass protection was suspect at times. He showed a ton of toughness and a, a lot of resiliency. And I think that that's one really kind of big factor that we've seen. But but second, you know, Tulane yesterday went and played Morgan State, which is not a good FCS program. They they you know had already lost their first game of the season, 31 to zero. So I don't want to make this too much of a benchmark. But what I'll say is. Tulane scored 69 points, which is the, the most they've scored in any game since 1998 when they went undefeated and finished in the, the top 10. So I think that there's a lot of excitement for this Tulane offense because it's a combination of you have a high-quality quarterback you know, in Michael Pratt, and now you're pairing that with a new offensive coordinator with former Notre Dame OC Chip Long, who is in his first year now at Tulane, and, and I think is really impressed through these first two games. 
Defensively, obviously pitching a shutout against Morgan State, um, doing its best to try to keep the Sooners off the field. It's early. I get it. But this two-lane defense looks to be just a little bit different than the ones we've seen in the past. Yeah, and, and there's there's some positives and there's some negatives. And I, I'm going to tell you how I would look at this if I were an Ole Miss fan because I, I think I'd really try to focus on the tape that we saw from Oklahoma when I'm thinking about what we're going to see. Now, offensively, I think the, the, the orientation of these two offenses is not exactly the same, but I think there are similarities in that you have two really high-quality passers when you look at both Oklahoma and Ole Miss. And I would say that in that Oklahoma game, the secondary and specifically the cornerbacks, I mean, they, they played amazing, right? They, they had two picks off of Spencer Rattler. That was really what put Tulane in a position where in the final drive, they could have won the ball game. And I think that we need to see that kind of performance coming up against overall what I think is definitively an elite offense in Ole Miss, but specifically with their quarterback, uh, this is a high octane offense. And I think a prototypical example of, where college football is going. I, I think it's so impressive to watch, like we saw in that Louisville game. Now, I think the negative here, Brad, is that Tulane did not get a lot of pressure on Rattler. You know, I, I think Oklahoma really dominated at the line of scrimmage, and that's the area where I have the most concern as we think about this, that, you know, you need to find a way that you can dial up the blitz or, or, or find a couple moves here where we can get someone in the backfield and, and bring some pressure that was something where Oklahoma was pretty successful, in my opinion, and where Tulane would need to improve for this game against Ole Miss. One thing that, that Matt Corral struggled with last year, he's gotten better with, obviously, this year after the win over the Louisville Cardinals. Last, uh, the previous game against Austin P, uh, could not do a lot with Matt Corral. Um, just had a hard time when, when the defenses would drop eight. That's one thing Louisville did. Ole Miss did a nice job with Matt Corral hitting things kind of around the middle, around the linebacker area. What do you think Louisville can do def- defensively to stop Matt Corral? You talked a little bit about they were kind of the same. They had a lot of similarities between Matt Corral and a Spencer Rattler for Oklahoma. Yeah, there, there's a couple things that, that jump out to me right away. And the first thing that I noticed, and I haven't done a ton of deep diving yet into the tape, but the first thing that's so clear is just the raw number of plays that you're going to see an Ole Miss offense run, right? This is an up-tempo, high-octane offense. And so I think that the, the first thing that really jumps out to me is that Tulane's offense needs to make sure that we're getting productive drives. This feels like a game where if you come, uh, come out and you're flat and you're in a position where your defense is spending a lot of time in the field in the first half, to me, that's the first thing that's going to be a huge benefit for Corral and his team of being able to really push the tempo of this game. Uh, and, and that's the first thing that I really want to see is that Tulane's offense is also asserting itself early and, and trying to make sure that we're, we're, we're bringing some game control. But I think the other things that we're going to need to see as we think about this, you know, I called out the fact that there was not, in my opinion, really sufficient pressure at times to, to really make Rattler think. And he had a lot of time with that said, there are some guys on this Tulane team who, you know, I think we really need to, to show up big. Uh, probably the highlight would be Jeffrey Johnson, Jeffrey Johnson, who is from Mississippi was a player who uh, in coming out of high school was recruited by top tier power five programs, kind of a weird situation where I believe there was actually kind of a, either a misdiagnosis or a, a changing health situation where some, of those teams kind of walked away and Tulane had the opportunity to bring him on campus 
He is a big dude. They call him the Big Easy. And I think that's a guy where he is an SEC-type player who's actually on this defensive line. And he's the type of player who we need to see uh, really bring that physicality and find opportunities to get to the quarterback. Yeah, out of Brookhaven High School, uh, Johnson was pretty highly decorated. Uh, the Clarion Ledger, I know, had him as one of the top players in the state of Mississippi. I know he's doing big things. I want to stick with the offense for, for Tulane just for a moment, JP, because you talk about balance, and I think that's one thing that really shines when you look at Tulane and its program. First downs this year, 26 by way of the rush. 26 by way of the pass very balanced so far early on and I think that's a very big key coming into this Ole Miss game oh it's huge and and it's you know for anyone out there who maybe you know you were scrolling through ESPN a few years ago and you, you saw Tulane the Willie Fritz philosophy early you know in those early three first three or four years with Tulane was heavily skewed toward running the football like if you you think back to his pedigree which is coming from programs like Georgia Southern where you're running triple option and triple option variants, there was a huge emphasis on, you know, we'd see games where 80% of the plays were, were designed runs, right? And so what's crazy is, you know, over the last couple of years, there have been a few things that have happened. Uh, the first was offensive coordinator Will Hall, who I think that a lot of folks in Mississippi are, are familiar with as he's now the current head coach at Southern Miss. Uh, you know, his dad, of course, was Bobby Hall, who was a legendary coach in Mississippi, I give Will Hall a lot of credit for kind of similar to the way that, that Lane Kiffin, I think, has kind of put the Ole Miss program on this power booster that has brought the offense into the future. I think Will Hall is kind of our guy who, who gave us some of that, who brought us a playbook, a strategy, and a philosophy that put Tulane closer onto the cutting edge. And it really comes to that idea of balance, that being able to throw the football and run the football is a big deal. And when you can do those two things at will, that's where you can really start to do some damage against these defenses. Now, Will Hall, of course, he's now at Southern Miss. But interestingly, uh, his roommate from college, who is Chip Long, the former Notre Dame offensive coordinator, uh, has stepped in. And I think we're seeing a lot of similarities. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a huge deal. I mean, I I posted when during the Oklahoma game three or four years ago, you could look at the box score and Tulane might throw the ball 10, 11, 12 times. Now, it's going to be 30-plus, right? And, and they're confident in Michael Pratt to do that, and, and that will be a big aspect of what Tulane wants to do. J.P. Gooderham, uh, Fear the Wave, joining us here on the show. Really appreciate it. Great insight. Before we let you go, I do have a couple of questions in regards to in the state of Louisiana. It feels like with Conference USA, you've got Sunbelt, you've got SEC, you've got AAC, you've got, you've got teams from all over the place. How does Tulane find its mix athletically? I know, you know, uh, from academically, it's easily the top school in the state, if not, you know, among the top. I mean, I don't think there's any argument there. On the field of play, how do they fit in? You've got LSU right down the street. You've got all these other programs, whether it be Monroe, Lafayette. You've got uh, Southeast Louisiana. Where do they fall? You know, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. This is such a loaded question. I'm, I'm glad you asked it. But it's interesting because I, I think that it – you look at the perception and the importance of LSU to the state of Louisiana and LSU has squarely occupied that top spot, you know, in, in any me measurement, right? The on-field success, the playing for national championships, all these pieces. Now for those of us as Tulane fans who think about what could the world look like if Tulane did not voluntarily choose to leave the sec back in the 1950s. And you're like, man, this would be a completely different thing. 
look, we don't live in that world, right? And so as a result, I think where we are with Louisiana is that there is a bit of a knife fight right now when you think about who that number two team in the state would be. And I would say that on Tulane's side, obviously you have the academic prestige of a Tulane, but the the football success, you know, it, it's been there in the past at various times, but there hasn't been that sustained run yet, which is where Willie Fritz wants to go. And so I think when you compare that to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, ULL has been a fast riser in the Sun Belt. They've had some really competitive teams. I think it is really important to Tulane's future that they really assert, hey, we are we're that other team. You know what I mean? We are the team who on a year in and year out basis is going to really be able to do something. And the last comment I would make is that there's this dynamic that I don't think Tulane is anywhere near its peak when you look at recruiting and the talent that we're bringing in. There is a perception that that Willie Fritz has, you know, and it's it's progressive. It's something that takes some time where he's worked to start to build the brand of Tulane in Louisiana. But if you think about all of these Tulane coaches who have come to Louisiana high schools for the last 20 years before before Willie Fritz came in, and they're like, hey, we're going to turn things around. We're going to build the state of Tulane. It's going to be a whole different thing. Four years, five years later, they're gone, right? And these high school coaches and, and, and players, I think, had this awareness of, look, Tulane is not a sustained, successful college football team. What Willie Fritz did, which I think was quite smart, was if you look at a lot of the top-notch players who are part of this Tulane program, they're coming from states like Mississippi, and they're coming from states like Florida, where there might not be as much of that baggage, that, that history that some people have to work against. And just today, you know, Tulane just picked up a high three-star recruit, Blake Gunner, out of Madison, Mississippi. Those have been kind of our bread-and-butter recruits. I think that it is so important that the Green Wave – not only keeps pace, but exceeds the performance of teams like ULL and in, in Louisiana and uh, Louisiana Tech to make sure that we can win those recruiting battles and recruit better in Louisiana over time. Does that does that make some sense? Absolutely, and and I think to to kind of put a bow on this, I'd love your thoughts on this because I think the world of college football, the world of college athletics as a whole, well, let's be honest, it's football, and it's changing the landscape of conference alignment. Where, in your opinion? Does Tulane fit in the most? And to compound on that, if you could create a conference, whether it be with AAC, with Conference USA, with Sunbelt, where would Tulane fit in the best? This is such a hard one because there's kind of the reality and then there's the where should we be, right? And I think the reality right now, and and a lot of folks listening I'm sure are aware, but there's been a seismic change in the landscape for the AAC. We now know for sure, signed, sealed, delivered, that Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston are gone. They're going to the Big 12. And there's this gap now. And the question is, what does the AAC do from here? They want to continue being the top group of five conference, which they've been for the the recent past. They want to be in a position that if playoff expansion happens, that you get an opportunity where the top group of five team can go to the playoff, and that might might be coming from the AAC. Now, The challenge is a lot of these schools we're looking at are just not ones that have a common history with Tulane. And so I think in the near term, the important thing for both Tulane and the AAC is to bring in schools into the AAC who are going to be highly competitive and elevate the brand of the league. And and the reality is some of them are not going to connect neatly with being a team in the Gulf Coast or, or whatever it might be 
as maybe it had been before. You know, I'm thinking about a team like an Appalachian State that has been highly competitive for for years. Uh, that might be the kind of team that we need to bring in. With that said, I can say that if we went to a two-lane message board right now or we went to a two-lane tailgate and talked to fans, I think people are really holding out hope for this idea uh, of the Big 12 continuing to expand. Uh, you know, We know that there is not a likelihood that Tulane would get to go to the SEC. The hope is, could this become the entry point for the Big 12 into Louisiana, a state where we know it's a recruiting hotbed, it's a place where LSU has dominated year in and year out and allowed them to build nationally competitive teams. And I think that's the big question is, you know, what does the Big 12 do from here? Uh, and, and that's the one I know a lot of Tulane people aspire to one day be in that conversation if that if that checks out. J.P. Gooderham follows the Tulane Green Wave and does a great job on Fear the Wave. Be sure and follow them on Twitter. That's at Fear the Wave blog. And also the podcast FTW Cast, a part of the Apple Podcast family. Uh, JP, thanks very much for joining us today. Very grateful for you uh, joining joining us. It's all about Tulane football. I know we're excited about the game this weekend. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at BradLoganCOTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network.